Welcome in, everybody. It's the Important Nonsense Podcast. I am your host, Steve Bonham. I am joined today as a typical Friday show by Mr. Jack Cavanaugh and Jason Draven. We'll start it with Jack. Jack, how you doing today? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. I had a happy holidays and a Merry Christmas, so I'm uh, doing pretty good now. I'm a little bit uh, bloated from all the food, but uh, it was worth it. All the turkey last night was great. A lot of poutine up there and no, none of no, that, actually. No. We oh, talked oh. about it. We did talk about it, but didn't end up having any. Well, that's just a letdown. Uh, Jason, how you doing? All right, man. It's uh, kind of rainy right now, so we had a not-typical Christmas day when it was 70 and beautiful out. I was kind of annoyed I couldn't yeah. go play golf, but whatever. Yeah, it was 70 degrees here, and we were playing soccer most of the afternoon, so my kids appreciated being outside. But otherwise, you know, decent holiday, so can't complain. I'd rather it be that than the freezing cold. The whole reason I came down south to migrate like a bird, but just never go back. But speaking of birds, (laughs) exactly, exactly. Uh, Speaking of birds, we'll get right into it here, because the Falcons are bringing back head coach Dan Quinn and their GM, Thomas Dimitrov. So, uh, I mean, it's status quo for the Falcons, is that surprising at all to you guys? It's a little surprising to me. Uh, I thought they'd keep Dimitrov, but I really was hoping they'd move on from Dan Quinn. Like, I think they're pretty much just signing up for another sub-500 season, and they're just wasting another year of Julio and Matt Ryan. It's just so disappointing. Yeah, and yeah. I think they're also wasting Devontae Freeman, because I don't know what they plan to do with him, but they're clearly not using him enough. He, he has these beautiful flashes of genius, and then it just kind of fizzles, and it's annoying. Yeah, and I think that's more of the offensive scheme and system. And at, but again, that goes back to the head coach, right? Like this is this is the guy he wants. This is the system he wants to run. So if something's wrong there, I definitely agree that it's Dan Quinn. I don't know why he's he's sticking around. I, I figured he'd be one of the easy targets to uh, be done. So we'll see. I think Black Monday is going to be interesting coming up next week. And I know they invested in the offensive line this offseason, so maybe that's what they're thinking. They do have, I think, four or five first-round picks on the offensive line. So maybe they're hoping with a year together they gel, but I just, I don't know. I think it's a waste, and I'm really disappointed in it because I really enjoy Julio and Matt Ryan. They also made the excuse that, you know, the defense was hurt most of the year, and when they were healthy is when they were playing well for those couple of games, so... To be fair, it's not entirely wrong. They did shut teams down for like a three-week stretch in the middle of the season when they were actually healthy. But it's just, I mean, that's a strength and conditioning thing. Which, again, goes back to the head coach. The head coach. Yes, so, I mean, I don't know. I don't see any way around being able to to blame Dan Quinn here. But uh, things to keep in mind this week, basically, it's week 17. So for most of you, congratulations. If you've already won a title, your season's already done. Uh, You've moved on. If you're still listening to this, though, more than likely you're either here for the wrap-up show and you'd be a week early for that, or you're here because you're still playing into week 17, which is always a coin flip because of all the people sitting out. If you've been relying on Lamar to this point, I'm sorry, it's the RG3 show. If you've been relying on any of the Vikings starters, they fully intend to use this as a bye week and sit out their main guys, including Kirk Cousins, Dalvin Cook, who hopes to be back at 100% in the playoffs, 
And we don't know about the wide receivers, how, what kind of snap count they'll be on. They they have to play because you don't carry enough to sit them completely out. But, I mean, how much can you really rely on it? And then the Rams, they're expected to rest their starters. Uh, they have nothing really to play for this week. So they're deciding to just look ahead to 2020. And uh, does that mean we're going to get some Blake Bortles action this weekend? Ooh, that could be fun. I do oh, like some top Blake five. Bortles action. Top Blake Bortles five. to Josh Reynolds and Tyler Higby. That would be fun. Uh, I do wonder, though, are the Vikings going to sit superstar Mike Boone this week? Yes. Def- definitely not. He's I mean, definitely clearly. playing. 100%. I mean, he might sit because he's on the bench, but uh, yeah. Yeah, that'd be it. Amir Abdullah to the moon. That's not as catchy. See, see what I did there? You see what I did? Not as catchy. I still prefer ham. I think yeah, it's more Christmassy. You would. <laughs> Some Christmas ham. Yeah, that's fair. Sounds delicious. Um, th- the only reason that's really interesting, though, is with the Rams, I know especially like for myself, uh, Tyler Higby has been one of the hottest players in fantasy over the last month. And now if they go from Goff to Bortles, does that affect your ranking of Tyler Higby at all, Jack? Not not really for me, actually. You're, you're not into him, Jason? Just because... No, man. It's going to be a Cooks show. Bortles likes to throw it deep. It, Cooks is going to get the most action he's seen all year. I, I, I don't know. I just think he's going to... like They do use Higby downfield as, uh, as well, and it's been pretty successful. And I see him, them checking down because they are going to be benching some of the offensive line, so Bortles isn't going to have as much time. But uh, I am also excited that uh, I did draft Malcolm Brown all offseason in best ball. And hopefully this is the week that he just gets the full go because Gurley's <laughs> out. So maybe this makes me some money. Last second sneaky money. Well, yeah. And Henderson went to IR too, right? Exactly. Hold this on. is what I dreamed of. Not <laughs> this late, but. Yeah, it only took till week 17. That's it. You, you cashed it. You're still going to cash it before my Darwin Thompson. So it still counts. It's a win. Oh, all right. Yeah, let's go to uh, quarterback tight end news. We'll start running through this. We've got uh, to keep in mind Deshaun Watson with the back is questionable. Also, they're preparing for their playoff game. Bill O'Brien has come out and said they are playing all the starters. They're giving it a full go. They fully intend to be the spoiler that keeps the Titans out of the playoffs. In that regard, I could see it. But, you know, if it gets to a certain point in this game, I have no doubt if they're winning by a couple touchdowns or losing by a couple touchdowns, they're not going to bother playing the starters anymore. There's no sense in that. Sure hope not, but it is Bill O'Brien, so don't question him. He makes all of the decisions. Look. It's also divisional. Offensive coordinator Bill O'Brien had a a heart-to-heart meeting with head coach Bill O'Brien, and they really hashed it out. The head coach went to GM Bill O'Brien and said, look, this is what I want to do this week. The GM was real hesitant, but he said, okay, Bill, I believe in you. And then he made this game plan. It's when uh, you can trust uh, GM trust his coach that much. You know, you just love to see it. It's really rare. And actually, they fight a lot behind the scenes. Uh, there's, there's a lot of tension there, but they make it work. Uh, Drew Brees with some knee inflammation is quote-unquote fine. Uh, He's only listed on the injury report in case they have him wear a sleeve, but he should be a full go this week. They are playing because they need to win in order to get that bye in the first round. 
Uh, let's see. Up in the air, we've got Dak Prescott with his shoulder. He was removed from the injury report, but he's clearly still hurt. He also has the fractured fingertip that he's dealing with. But again, in the case of the Cowboys, in the case of the Eagles, they're going to be giving it whatever they got because they're still trying to win that division. Yeah, uh, Kyler Murray. last week, right? Yeah, right. I, mean, exactly. I, I, was, I was too worried about it. I was waiting for the Steve victory lap on uh, Dak Prescott. Why would I need a victory lap on Dak Prescott? I was in on him and you were not last week. I mean, I was down on Dak Prescott last week, but it's the it's just the Eagles defense. It's just how strong they've been. And at, again, I still had him as startable. I was just lower than you. So I didn't think he'd be as bad as he was. The thing I could take a victory lap on from that game, though, is the Amari Cooper not doing much of anything. The Michael Gallup, though, that, that went off in a big way. Amari Pooper. Uh, let's see. Kyler Murray, hamstring is a game-time decision. I don't see why they would risk it. They're playing for literally nothing. Uh, so more than likely, I would assume Kyler Murray does not play in that game. Uh, Gardner Minshew with a shoulder, questionable, but he is still expected to start. Zach Ertz uh, returned to practice on Friday. Uh, he has been ruled out of that game, however, so there will be no Zach Ertz this weekend with the broken rib injury. They are trying to preserve him to hopefully win the division without him, so that would be Dallas Goddard to the moon easily. I mean, that's that's a slam dunk call right there. Uh, and then Ricky Seals-Jones dealing with an illness also questionable. If you've been relying on Ricky Seals-Jones, you have some severe problems. Uh, expect to be without Kirk Cousins, as we already mentioned. Mason Rudolph went to the IR, so it's Duck Dynasty starting it off there for Pittsburgh as they try to make it into the playoffs. Uh, Mark Andrews is questionable, but he's expected to sit or play limited snaps, again, with the Ravens taking out their top guys. And then Rhett Ellison is out. Uh, Jack, how are you feeling about uh, Caden Smith there in New York? It's weird because I've never really been in on him, but he just keeps producing every single week. And it's like the tight end in New York is just kind of like a position that's going to score points at this point. And mm-hmm. I, I don't like it, but I mean, it, it's productive. So roll with it if you have to. Yeah. I mean, for the most part at this point, we have Kittle, Kelsey, Hooper, even Higby, Waller, Cook, Goddard because of the injury those are all guys that I would say they're locked in I mean if you've got them you're starting them whereas everybody beyond that is touchdown dependent dart throw and I feel like Caden Smith is one of those guys that's certainly in that range you're just trying to guess you know is this the matchup that gets him in the end zone he's one of those shot calls so Anybody pretty much between 8 and 20 in the rankings is anybody's guess as who's going to land in the end zone. Pretty much. Uh, Jono, I have Jonu Smith up there, but uh, even yeah. then, that's that's you're splitting hairs at that point. Uh, Jason, who are some guys you would look at if you're needing to fill these gaps in your roster? Yeah, I mean, we saw Daniel Jones exploded back onto the scene last week as he managed Danny to torch everybody. Back. Holy cow. Dude came out of nowhere and just lit the world on fire again. I just think he needs breaks. He needs to have like those three game breaks and then they put him back in and he does it all and he'll have one bad game and then you sit him a little bit and Eli comes back and shows him what to do and 
He starts all over again fresh. It's like a reboot. Quarterback rotation. Perfect. Worked out great for him. Um, and then another person, Andy Dalton. Like, again, looked great last week and was thrown all over the place, made Boyd look amazing, as expected. You know, it's just one of those things. Uh, we talked about Jackson sitting, so Robert Griffin, of course, would be a solid option. Or if you're really wanting to be risky, Drew Locke. Because <laughs> he gets the Raiders. So uh, I'm with you on the first two, just not the last two. I have both Dalton and Jones in a starting position right now in my top 12. Uh, and that lineup still includes uh, Deshaun Watson, who's questionable, and then uh, Jameis, who's questionable as well. So they, they may move a little bit further, but... Yes, for the most part, uh, I agree with those first two. RG3 is just not great. Uh, it's He's interception prone. He's like Jameis, except can't throw it as well. But he can run. Likes likes to turn the ball over, runs a lot more. Um, and I feel like they're still going to be able to put up points in that game and do all right in that game. But, yeah, if, if we're talking about a Week 17 lineup, we're talking about for sure a championship, and I, there's no way I can play that. Uh, there's a lot better options out there. Uh, and the, and then, the thing uh, I'm most excited about is with Daniel Jones. Well, not really excited about, but Giants fans are excited about. Uh, he's already passed Lamar, Baker, Darnold, Rosen, and Allen for 300-yard games in their rookie season. Do you think Daniel Jones is just locked in as the Eli-type career where he's just locked in as a starter for years to come now? I mean, I don't see why not. I just see the hype, especially after that uh, that bar video that circus or circled after uh, Eli and Daniel Jones in the Manhattan bar. I I, I think he's locked in. I think he's going to be a 15 year starter for the Giants for better or worse at this point. Yeah, I mean the the beginning of his career has started out pretty well for him, so I think it it could not have gone better in his first season outside of the injury. Uh, how about he might need tight to start ends? wearing gloves though? Yeah, he needs to be able to hold onto that ball a little better. Uh, for tight ends, it's we've talked about it already. Dallas Goddard is a great option. Um, I'm also looking at Mike Gusecki. I think he's going to be great. It, it's the Patriots, so you got to keep that in mind, but it's going to be that close target that he should be able to check down to at least, hoping Fitzpatrick will be able to do some damage and instead of get shut out like the first round. And then uh, Nick Boyle and Hayden Hurst are another option, as we mentioned Andrews being out as well. Yeah, I currently still have Andrews in my rankings, so uh, the guy that's going to leap for me here is Hayden Hurst. He will be in starting range. Again, when you talk about RG3, he can't really throw the deep ball. For whatever reason, he can't throw it to his left. It's the most bizarre thing ever. Like, if he throws it on the run, fine. If he throws it to his right or up the middle, fine. Throws it to his left, it's the most inaccurate wobbly ball you've ever seen. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life. But... He also had, when he was in Washington, uh, this tight end who was pretty good, but you know couldn't stay healthy at all. And uh, he was a top five tight end the entire time he was there. So uh, I- I'm, I'm going to say Hayden Hurst, certainly playable this week. The tight end thrives with RG3 at the wheel. And with Hayden Hurst, too, like you have to remember, he was drafted before Lamar Jackson for some reason. As weird as that was, it did happen. So the Ravens are kind of obligated to force feed him at this point to show that, like, hey, this wasn't the worst decision. We we know we could have had Calvin Ridley, but this was still okay. 
I mean, they they really love the tight end position there. And they love his talent and skill set, and they tried really hard to get him the job all last season, and he just couldn't take it. So, Agreed. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Mark Andrews kind of just came in this year and, and stole that away pretty early. But I just I just think they have they have to feed him at this yeah. point. Just without Andrews, perfect time. Yep, exactly. Uh, running backs. Keep in mind, Marshawn Lynch and Robert Turbin both signed with the Seahawks. They're going to join Travis Homer in replacing the Carson Penny and Procise trio in Seattle. Oh. Um, they will absolutely. Uh, be leaning on Travis Homer this week. He will be the lead back as the other two try to get their legs underneath them. Are you uh, interested in streaming any of those guys this weekend, Jason? I mean, I'm okay with Homer. Uh, it's just one of those things that I can really see them putting in Lynch just to like get the crowd really hyped up as one of those things to just build the team around and hope that they can push at home, kind of get yeah everybody's juices flowing. But other than that, I think it's going to be mostly Homer. Unfortunately, I think that's the wise decision anyways, but if they get at the goal line, you know, Marshawn Lynch is getting every single carry, no passes, no slants. They're feeding Marshawn at the goal line. Yeah, that makes sense. And uh, the fact they're playing San Francisco makes me hesitant too. but I mean, otherwise uh, I would agree. Homer is going to get the the bulk of the, the workload there. Uh, Derrick Henry with a hamstring injury was removed from the injury report. He expects to play this week. He said he'll be fine. And again, they're playing for their, their season. So there's no way he's going to sit out. Uh, Jordan Howard has been cleared and expects to be back. However, uh, they have already said that Miles Sanders will continue to be the workhorse. They are riding the hot hand with him. Uh, does this affect your Miles Sanders ranking at all, Jack? Absolutely not. You know, I'm all in on Miles Sanders. I think he's going to be a top 10 running back in fantasy next year. I think I'm at least drafting as one. But uh, no, absolutely not worried about Jordan Howard at all. I'm more worried about Boston Scott stealing carries than Jordan Howard. Well, he can't steal carries. He's out as a wide receiver, so he should be fine. Yeah, Boston Scott's really taken over that Darren Sproles role in the offense. Um, What concerns me is what I talked about earlier in the year. Miles Sanders is going to get a bulk of your carries and your workload, but for whatever reason, they like using Jordan Howard at the goal line, and they use Boston Scott as the pass-catching third down back. So just I have lowered Miles Sanders a little bit in my ranks uh, for this week just because of the fact that, like I said, he's not going to get the full workload like he's been getting. Like Boston Scott was spelling him here and there, but... If anybody's workload takes a hit, it's Boston Scott's. I, I think the last couple of weeks, I think he's had like five carries and six carries or something like that. Like it's been mostly Miles Sanders. It's just been this, you know, getting the breather here and there. I think Jordan Howard takes those carries away from Boston Scott, and he just becomes a pass catcher. Um, so at this point, Boston Scott not rosterable, not playable this week. But uh, otherwise, yeah, Miles Sanders. I still have him as a top, I believe, fifteen play. So you should still be good there. Uh, up I'm, in the air, Leonard Fournette is questionable, expected to play still. Uh, Alexander Madison questionable, but he will probably sit out again, resting all their primary guys. So uh, you can expect to be without Delvin Cook like we already talked about. Josh Jacobs, surprisingly, had a procedure on his knee yesterday out of nowhere, and uh, he's expected to now sit out this uh, this week. Thoughts on Josh Jacobs and what's going on in Oakland? 
Well, it was a the surgery was for a skin infection, so I'm not super worried. I do find that kind of odd, but I I'm not super worried about. It. I think it's just at this point the Raiders might sneak into the playoffs, but is it really worth jeopardizing Josh Jacobs' future over that? I really don't think so. So I think that they're just holding him out because it's a smart thing to do. Yeah, I heard the air quotes from over here. <laughs> <laughs> so does that mean uh, DeAndre Washington to the moon then? Yeah, he was the play last week. <sighs> yeah, I don't. I still don't know. I mean, because it's a, they're it's a tough rundy. I mean, but he should he'll put up the numbers that you want. And he'll probably get ten to fifteen points and be a solid player for you. But I'd still hopefully assume they have better players that you can use instead. Uh, outside of that, James Conner has been ruled out with that quad injury. Uh, Jamal Williams also out with his shoulder. Jordan Wilkins out. Spencer Ware. <sighs> Boy, you got to feel for Spencer Ware, man. This is ridiculous. He was with the Colts and went to IR. Now he's back with KC and he's on the IR. Boy, that's rough. Uh, Miles Gaskin also to the IR. Daryl Henderson to the IR as well. Uh, Jason, some players to fill in. Well, like we kind of covered, DeAndre Washington's going to be a solid option with James Conner out. I'm assuming they're going to go back to Jalen Samuels, but whoever knows back in that backfield, uh, then Travis Homer, carry on Johnson, and again, we with the Ravens, I'm, I think that they might actually sit Gus Edwards just because of the Mark Ingram having an, an injury designation, so I think Justice Hill will be the play here. I do like Justice Hill quite a bit, actually. I will agree with you there. I do think, I don't think Edwards completely sits, but I do think he's going to be limited to maybe the first quarter or something like that. I also wouldn't be surprised to see RG3 sit after half if the game's completely out of hand and they put Trace McSorley in just for reps. But yeah, Justice Hill is an explosive home run hitter. He beat out Chris Carson in his senior season at Oklahoma, or at Oklahoma State, sorry. It's just Justice Hill, if he actually gets the opportunity, he's a really exciting player. But we'll just have to see what happens with Edwards. That's surprising. So you, you're thinking that they're really concerned about Ingram and that's why you would they would sit Gus Edwards? Yeah, I mean, they want him to be fully healthy for playoffs. I can just see them having them both sit just in case it's something more serious or he re-aggravates it and has to stay out a longer period of time kind of a thing. So I just, I have a feeling it is going to be Justice Hill that takes over and does majority of the work it's interesting i have it completely the other way uh the the report was that mark ingram's injury uh, wasn't that bad it was mostly just leg cramps the only reason he's missing this week is they're sitting everybody if it was a game that mattered they said that mark ingram would be playing this week so uh i feel like edwards and hill are probably going to do what they did last week and what they've done whenever ingram has missed time and kind of split the workload but Last week, Gus Edwards was the guy who got 12 carries for 66 yards. Like He did all of the legwork out there. Uh, Justice Hill was just the one that happened to fall into the end zone at one point. So I, I, if I'm playing one of the two of them, I'm absolutely playing Edwards. He's my guy in this one. And he's one of the higher-ranked uh, guys I have here as a streamer option. I believe I would have Washington probably like a spot or two ahead of him, but yeah, Edwards is, is my play there. I do agree that Edwards is the guy if he gets all the carries. It's just with a calf issue, you never know what it is with Mark Ingram. 
So it just the calf has me a little bit worried. Like we heard all the reports in the NBA this off season. So I don't know. It's just something that you could totally see him being pulled after the second or after halftime and just Justice Hill running, running out the rest of the game. Uh, wide receiver, keep in mind, Antonio Brown worked out with the Saints, but he's not expected to sign. Uh, Sean Payton, when asked about it, said not now. So there you go. Uh, Jarvis Landry will play, but has announced he will need hip surgery in the offseason. It sounds like Landry fractured his sacrum. Is that right? Sacrum? Sacrum? sacrum. Uh, in OTAs and uh, has been dealing with that injury since the summer. So uh, it, it it really does make what he's been able to do with that injury all year even more impressive. It also explains his slow start to the season uh, when the adrenaline wasn't really flowing yet. So uh, kudos to him. Darius Slayton removed from the injury report with the knee injury. Corey Davis with the concussion has been concluded. Uh, up in the air, we've got Michael Thomas with a hand injury. He will play again, as I mentioned, because they need to win that game, but we'll see if he actually sits out uh, at any point in time. Julio limited with a knee and shoulder injury. Odell Beckham with the illness. Uh, Julian Edelman, his weekly trip to the questionable tag. Debo Samuel limited. Uh, Robbie Anderson with a calf issue. Dede Westbrook questionable, as well as Tyrell Williams. Hollywood Brown, Kenny Stills, Demarius Thomas, Alan Hearns. The beat goes on. I uh, expect to be without Chris Godwin. No surprise there. Obviously, Mike Evans on the IR. So we're back to Brashad Perryman and Justin Watson, correct? My best friend. Yes, your BFF, Justin Watson, right? So are you playing either one of those guys or both this weekend in a game against the Falcons? Absolutely playing Perriman. I mean, he kind of proved last week that he can do it off uh, when he is given a feature role and is getting the targets. So as out on him as I was, I, yeah, he's a top-end play this week, I think. And I do still like Justin Watson as a lower-end flex. Uh, DJ Moore is out with a concussion. So does that mean you're looking at Curtis Samuel even more than usual, Jason? If you have to. I mean, again, I'm hoping that you have somebody else just because... Is it the Will Greer that scares you? Yeah, and just his lack of use even... I mean, he's been healthy most of the year and wasn't getting targeted. I don't think that they're going to try and go throw deep balls now. I mean, stick with Olsen, stick with CMC, and do what you've been doing. Just hope that whoever you throw out there is going to catch balls. Doubt it's going to be Samuel because it's he's the long ball guy, you know? Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, Will Fuller has been ruled out with his groin issue. Adam Thielen with the hamstring uh, is in doubt, but also have to keep in mind, we already mentioned they're going to sit their starters, so I would think even precautionary, they probably just don't play him, right? Ola B.C. Johnson maybe getting some more looks? That's kind of what it sounds like, and he's been doing that uh, as of late anyways. Laquan Treadwell is completely out of the picture. So yeah, I guess if you've had, I don't know, I'm not firing up all of BC Johnson at all, but he's a name to know for sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, like dynasty long-term plays. Yes, for sure. Yeah. But I don't want a guy catching passes from Sean Mannion at all. Uh, Terry McLaurin out with a concussion. Same with Taylor Gabriel still. That's a scary situation because he's been with that concussion a long time now. So we'll have to monitor that in the off season. Uh, Adam Humphreys with the ankle injury is out, and then Nelson Aguilar with the knee has been ruled out. They were thinking about IR, but they're going to hold off hope he can return in the playoffs. And my guy, 
quote unquote my guy Deshaun also trying to be back in the playoffs how hilarious would that be Jason players to look at if you are needing to fill a gap in your roster well I mean with Nelson Aguilar being out Greg Ward's a great option I think he's clearly set himself apart as the wide receiver one on that team with everybody else being out I mean he's yeah by default (laughs) completely blown JJ Arcega Whiteside out of the water and then, I mean, looking again, short area target. I like Cole Beasley. He, for some reason. So I much know. hate on Cole Beasley, and I don't get it. I just don't get it. I don't understand how he's still not owned enough. It blows me away that he's, like, so widely available. It, I, I don't understand. Um, All he does is produce week to week. It just doesn't make sense. It blows my mind. It's the second week in a row. They're playing the Jets now. It's the second week in a row I have him ranked ahead of John Brown. It's one of the best matchups you can possibly have going on a points-per-game basis over the last six weeks compared to what the Jets have given up over the last four weeks. I have Cole Beasley projected as the number 16 wide receiver. If you've got Cole Beasley, he's absolutely playing for you this week. Just stop it. Well, and I'm hoping John Brown is too because I think that's another home run play. He's going to get like four targets and go for... 100 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, I love so, both yeah. those Bills receivers. Like, as if Cole Beasley torched the Patriots for over 100 yards. That just happened. Yeah, exactly. And people still completely out on it, and I don't get it. But I, but yeah, I derailed you. I'm sorry. You go right Yeah, now. yeah. You're fine. You know, so talking about people who've come back and are on fire, Hunter Renfro came back and literally, again, yeah. blew up anybody's week. It, it was amazing. He showed up and took the targets away from Waller and looked great. I, I don't understand how they somebody can come back like that and be so Yeah, when well he's off. been out there, he's been featured for them. It's just, can he stay healthy? That's the question for him. And that'll be the biggest question when trying to rank him going into next season. Well, do you think Tyrell's still going to be there? It's the other part of that. Like, they haven't really used him at all, and he minus the first four Well, weeks does he... it really matter? That's the question. I, I mean, to what to like you just said... Uh, they've been using um, Hunter Renfro when he's available out of the slot. That's been the check down. I think the biggest question is not Tyrell Williams. Who is going to be the quarterback? That's the question that you have to be asking. Is it still going to be Derek Carr? Because everything – look, my father-in-law is the biggest Raiders fan I know. And every Sunday I get some kind of text message phone call about how Derek Carr is the worst quarterback in the league. Now, I completely disagree with that statement. However, that is the overwhelming sentiment of that fan base. And now they're going to L or they're going to Las Vegas, owing him so much money and they can pretty much bail on that contract going into next season and not pay him nearly what they were supposed to. So free agency is going to be a nightmare to try to find a quarterback. Do they draft one? Do they try to move up? They have all those picks. Do, do they use one of their early picks to try to, to grab a quarterback that isn't Derek Carr? I don't know. There's so many questions surrounding that position that that is what I'd be more concerned about than who are the other wide receivers around him. I think next year he's the unquestioned number one fantasy wide receiver on that team. I can totally see that. Uh, as for Derek Carr, uh, John Gruden described his perfect quarterback this recently as he doesn't like the bubble screens. He doesn't like the checkdowns. He wants to sling it. He wants to throw it downfield. Not Derek Carr. 
but that is Jalen Hurts, and that's who I think they're going to go with. I think that Gruden is going to fall in love with that kid, and I, I, he just would look like the perfect Raider. Other than that, Jameis Winston, also the perfect Raider. But either way, Hunter Renfro is easily the guy there. Tyrell Williams is just kind of a decoy on the outside at this point. Thankfully, they'll get the Chris Harris treatment, though, freeing up Hunter Renfro, and I'm excited for him. No, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick as a potential landing spot for the Raiders. Oh, I would love that. <laughs> Please scratch everything I just thing said. Too. Right. Like uh, that's another one too. That's really interesting to me. Like this is a season that meant absolutely nothing to the dolphins. They had nothing to play for. They were literally trying to lose to get the best draft pick possible. And in a season when they're trying to lose, and they're playing for nothing. None of these wins, none of these games matter to them. They still played Ryan Fitzpatrick every single week for the last two-thirds of the season and didn't even want to take a look at what they have in Josh Rosen. How much do they hate Josh Rosen in Miami? Well, maybe they just assumed that Fitzpatrick was going to turn it over more and suck like he had but well like he was the guy the first like four or five weeks and then they gave the reins to Fitzpatrick so they could win a game and then they just never took it back I don't understand like how bad does he have to be doing in practice does he not know the playbook is he just that terrible he was that much of a miss that that he literally is so bad he can't even get on the field for the Dolphins or Maybe they don't care about this season. Maybe the Dolphins are tanking for Trevor 2021. I don't know. It's just so bizarre. No? Yeah, no, it know. makes no sense. It, I don't get it. But, do you get what I'm saying, though? Like, this is the second Completely. year of his rookie deal. Like, they, they didn't even look at him. They didn't even try to see what they've got. So now you're going into this next draft with a kid that was a top 10 pick just last season. And you can't even tell me for sure if he is terrible or if he's just okay. Or if he could somehow develop into a usable quarterback. You don't know because he hasn't gotten a shot yet. But you're still playing Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's been in the league forever. It's not like the Dolphins don't have weapons either. Like, Devontae Parker has balled out. Isaiah Ford's starting to come along. Albert Wilson has done some things recently. Like... Yeah, like it's not like you're setting him up for failure by playing him at this point. It's just, yeah, I don't understand it. Maybe they're waiting to develop him under Ryan Fitzpatrick. That's the whole point is he's getting that learning time of seeing how well this seasoned quarterback can do and then hoping that he'll pick up some of the tendencies. Maybe? Am I, am I reaching too yeah, far here? Yeah, I don't know. I, I wouldn't want to make a new Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> <laughs> He has a heart of a champion, though. That's just it. He he continually brings it out and shows it. So it's just one of those things that it it's hard to not like him. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What else you got? Uh. Well, McLaurin being out, Stephen Sims Jr. looked great, and then Justin Watson. I mean, those are kind of guys that should be widely available that you can pick up and plug in and play. Of course, I do love my best friend, Justin Watson. And Steven Sims, yeah, do you remember when Trey Quinn was going to be the slot receiver of the future for Washington? It kind of looks like Steven Sims has just completely taken that over. Fantasy season is in full swing, but you can get covered with Roto Assurance for your DFS team. 
All you have to do is draft your team on any DFS platform out there, then head over to rotoinsurance.com and fill out the daily fantasy insurance form. All they need is some basic information like your name, email, how much the contest entry fee is, and the player that you want to insure. When you're doing that, you can enter promo code NONSENSE, that's N-O-N-S-E-N-S-E, to get 20% off of your coverage. If your insured player gets injured in the first half and does not return for the second half of the game due to that injury, then you're covered. You get your full entry fee back to that DFS contest. So what do you have to lose? Head on over to rotoinsurance.com, use promo code NONSENSE to save 20% on your plan, and remember that injuries can happen at any time, so sign up today. Alright guys, let's get into this uh, all underrated and bust teams here. So what I've done here, I put out a poll, a survey, to uh, to our group here, our staff here at importantnonsense.com. And I asked everybody to basically give me quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers who you felt were really underrated in the preseason and guys that have been busts, overrated in the preseason. So each team is going to consist of 16 players. We have 10 starters, so a standard lineup of a quarterback, two running backs, three wideouts, tight end flex, defense kicker, and then six bench spots, some of which have already been determined by the votes and some of which the three of us will have to decide on right meow. All right, so let's kick it off with the underrated team. Always give them the good news first. So the underrated team, uh, quarterback, this was a slam dunk. This was easy, 100% of the vote, Lamar Jackson. I don't think that surprises anybody. Uh, Lamar, obviously, for where he was being drafted, for what was expected of him this year, for him to end up as QB1, to break all the records he broke, to do everything he did this season, I mean, that that was a slam dunk pick. What, so here's where it got interesting for me. RB1, Austin Eckler, and he got 90% of the vote. So do either one of you want to chime in on the Austin Eckler being an underrated guy from the preseason? The thing with Austin Eckler is uh, he did climb really high but, uh, once Melvin Gordon was uh, declared that he was going to be completely out and he wasn't going to show up. But... Even then, he only cl- climbed uh, the seventh round, if that, maybe six. I didn't see him going too much higher than that. And he's actually absolutely balled out this season. He's been the RB3 in points per game. It's just, I didn't see it coming. And even though he did climb quite high, it's it, he was still a great pick, slam dunk. And if you got him before that happened and you're getting him in the double-digit rounds, oh, absolutely, best value in the draft. Well, even if you picked him up when everybody saw that Gordon was coming back, I mean, that was a great trade target right there is because he continued to produce even after that point and gave you consistent numbers week in and week out it it's hard not to have him as an rb1 yeah i just thought it was interesting uh his adp was running back 30 in the preseason uh melvin gordon was going uh, about running back 24 and we all knew that as long as gordon was out eckler was going to be the guy i think what's been surprising is he was huge, right? He was like number one uh, or two. It was him and McCaffrey battling it out for the first like three or four weeks. And then when Gordon came back, it kind of threw some uh, some ice water on that whole Eckler situation until I want to say about week like 10 when Eckler 
all of a sudden was still getting all the PPR, still getting all the catches, and they were just using Melvin Gordon as like a goal linebacker. And at that point, he kind of turned back into the guy you originally had. But yeah, it's that was an interesting one to me. I was surprised he got so much of the vote. Uh, but maybe I'm just crazy. Because RB2 was Derrick Henry, and I feel like that's an easy one as well. Um, he had 45% of the vote, and that was the next highest. It was really all over the place with running backs. But Derrick Henry, absolutely, I'd agree with that because he was going in the teens. People didn't buy it. And me and Neil for years have said if you just had an offensive coordinator who understood what Derrick Henry was, he could be a top-five guy. And here we are with Derrick Henry as a top-five guy. Well, oh, but he also Matt needed a good quarterback, clear. though. That was the other part of that. Yeah, I guess. That helped him he, a lot. He was still putting up numbers even with Mariota in there. But, yes, the ability for a quarterback to actually pass the ball has helped him significantly. There's no denying that. Uh, let's go wide receiver one at 64% of the vote. Actually, all three of these wide receivers had 64% of the vote. So there you go. Uh, but the first one is Chris Godwin. Which, again, I believe the the whole undervalued thing here would be that Chris Godwin was points per game like a top five guy, right? Even though he's been injured occasionally and even though he kind of fell off the face of the earth for four or five weeks in the middle there. Uh, But there was a lot of preseason hype on Chris Godwin, I believe. Yeah, I mean, I loved him in the (laughs) offseason. He did get a lot of hype, but uh, he was still getting drafted behind uh, like Tyler Lockett and going in that range, Calvin Ridley. So when you yeah, compare him to those kind of guys and you remember that uh, some of the other guys that were going ahead of him, you're so thankful to have that kind of year. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, he was being drafted in the same area as, like you said, Lockett, Galladay, Hilton, Brandon Cooks was going way ahead of him. Believe me, we'll talk about Brandon Cooks. Uh, I mean... I don't know, Ridley, like you said, Tyler Boyd, Mike Williams. If you went with any of those guys other than Godwin, you certainly were kicking yourself. Outside of maybe Cooper Cup, who dominated that first half of the year, too. Galladay's been pretty good, but yeah, other than that. I mean, none of them have really been terrible. Well, I mean, Boyd would would have been awesome all season had Dalton actually stayed there, you know, but and been healthy. That's fair. Uh, The Ryan Finley experiment. Woof. Wide receiver two uh, was then DJ Chark, do, 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 do. This one I totally agree with. Um, Again, this is a guy who was completely off the radar. He wasn't the number two guy taken off his team. He wasn't even the number three guy. It it was mostly uh, Fournette was the one. D.D. Westbrook was the number two drafted Jag. And then you had Chris Conley was going ahead of DJ Chark. In most drafts. So, yeah, DJ Chark, it was a trendy pick if you got him late, but you were able to get him at a supreme discount, and he was a top 10 guy for a good chunk of the first half of the fantasy season. And he, like, remember Marquise Lee was going in the same area as him, and he's done absolutely nothing this season. Uh, It was really weird. At the very end of training camp, you kind of got that DJ Chark buzz, and if you were lucky enough to pick up on it then, it really helped your team. But even if not, if you picked up on it after week one and you were lucky enough to get the number one waiver claim and pick him up, it worked out perfectly for you. Just a great player. I'm so excited for his future in Jacksonville. 
Yeah, DJ Chark ADP was going in the same area as John Ross, Josh Doxson, Travis Benjamin, and <laughs> Chris Hogan. I mean, that he was going at wide receiver 105. He was way off the board, completely off the board. So if you got DJ Chark, boy, were you excited about that. And then the number three guy was Devontae Parker. And I feel like that's more just what he's done here in the last four or five weeks than it was what he did in the first half of the season. This he's really kind of, taking Yeah, yeah. Like a wait and see. Like, I don't know about this one. I'm, I'm shaky. Jason, what do you think about Devontae Parker making the list? I mean, the big thing about that is he's literally probably one of the people that you were able to pick up and plug in and win your championship because of it. Because he was on fire for that last half that you really needed him to be and it worked out great for you like he had that connection with Fitzpatrick and it clearly showed no matter what the matchup like I had to ask Jack at one point I'm like man how how did he do against the Bills and he actually had the white shadow and did great It, it blew me away and I think it's more of a nod to Devontae Parker's career up until this point because not like he was just completely written off by so many people. He'd been a bust for years. The Dolphins were in and out of love with him. They were ready to cut him. They were re-signed him, whatever. No one could make up their mind. And it really just kind of seemed like he was a bust. He was a complete wash. And to see him actually produce the way he has with Ryan Fitzpatrick throwing him YOLO balls, it's been pretty impressive. And it resulted in a big contract for him. So you got to tip your cap to him. Yeah, good for him. All right, uh, let's see. Tight end, we had a tie, and and this is going to happen in both lists, so just be prepared. So our tight end is Mark Andrews, and our flex is Darren Waller. So there you go. But They both received 82% of the vote uh, to make it as a tight end, so there's our flex and our tight end. So, uh, Jack, what do you think about Mark Andrews making the list? We kind of talked about a little bit before. Oh, well, I loved Mark Andrews this offseason, but he was going behind guys like Delaney Walker. And he was go- uh, and at some points in the offseason, he was getting drafted at the same point as Chris Herndon, which just never made any sense. Uh, Mark Andrews has been absolutely phenomenal. Uh, he's basically the Ravens wide receiver one, which I don't think a lot of people accounted for. But we're, really, who are they going to rely on? Marquise Brown, who was injured, and Willie Sneed? It, it kind of always looked like hey, Andrews had... Er, yeah, Mark Andrews had a path to being really very successful there. And Darren Waller has become the outside of Hunter Hen- uh, Renfro when he's been healthy. He's become the wide receiver one in Oakland. And at worst, he's the wide receiver two. And you could get him for free pretty much. You could get him in the last round of every draft. And he ended up being a weekly starter for you. Yeah, man. And they, like you said, it Waller was the guy who went in and was able to cover for the Raiders as a wide receiver one to start out. And then Renfro started kind of coming into his own and really stepped up to actually become wide receiver one and blows, blows all away with that. And then Mark Andrews, like you said, he is definitely your wide receiver one option there. That's one of the first reads for sure for Jackson. And it's shown, I mean, he's done very well. It didn't really matter what the matchup was. Uh, also receiving votes, Austin Hooper, Jason Witten, Tyler Higby, but I would agree that Andrews and Waller were the guys there for sure. Uh, defense, it was the Steelers with 64% of the vote. Uh, also getting a nod were the Niners, Pats, Chiefs, and Colts. 
Uh, do you guys think it was the Steelers? Would you agree with that? I mean, the Steelers were going right around defense 10 in the preseason, uh, and they, they've been a top five team this whole year. The Niners, you can kind of see the writing on the wall. The Pats were the number four ADP defense, so I don't. I wouldn't really consider them undervalued. Yeah, I mean, since they picked up uh, Minka, it's been a whole new defense, and they've really stepped up. Right, that changed everything, yeah. I think a lot of people gave up on them uh, pretty early in the season. They got completely torched by the Patriots in week one. People kind of started to give up on them. And then Minka came in and just the defense turned around. Bud Dupree's all of a sudden good. It was weird. Yeah, I would agree that it was definitely uh, the Steelers. I think that the the Minka Fitzpatrick thing, though, that's that's what kind of changed the course of everything for them. Their whole season kind of changed. And then kicker is, is an unusual one, too. Uh, sorry not to cut you off there, but we got to move on. Uh, Matt Gay got 55% of the vote, which, again, he wasn't really being drafted. So, you know, credit to him. I just don't see how it's not Chase McLaughlin. I feel like that's that's the easy choice for me. What do you guys think? In real football, I agree. It should be Chase McLaughlin, but everybody only saw the points that Matt Gay put up week in and week out, and so it's kind of hard to pivot away from that. I agree with everything Jason just said. Chase McLaughlin, though, doing it for three different teams, what, is that what it ended up being? Yes. Uh-huh. It, incredible. Just absolutely incredible. Yeah, I mean, like, it's really amazing to think, and this shows you what everybody knows about kicker, right? Like, the ADP for kicker, number 27, kicker 27, was Joey Sly, 28 was Matt Gay, 29 was Jason Sanders. And they're all going to finish around top 12 plays for kicker. So who knows? That's why you never take a kicker early. It's always a dart throw. Don't waste an early pick. It just keeps going back to that. Uh, Let's get into the bench here. So our first locked-in bench spot, Josh Allen. He received 45% of the vote for uh, underrated. Again, I I get it. Josh Allen, I feel like, had a lot of preseason hype, but in terms of ADP and in terms of ranking where he was actually going, uh, he wasn't getting the love that he really deserved. He was actually going at about 21 in ADP, depending on your format. So people were completely out on Josh Allen. The rushing was there, you know, so I get it. Josh Allen makes the bench. Uh, Let's not spend too much time on it because that one makes a lot of sense. Yeah, Uh, The other bench... Yeah. The other bench spots, Mark Ingram for running back and John Brown for wide receiver. Also, Allen Robinson getting enough to make the the, uh, the the bench on the squad here. So other people that are up for grabs here, we've got Dak Prescott received 36% of the vote. Uh, Jameis Winston is a possibility. You've got Aaron Jones and Kenyon Drake. Uh, at running back, and then at wide receiver, Cooper Cup, DJ Moore, and Cortland Sutton. We need two bench people. So who who are our last two bench spots here? And if I'm voting, you know me and my love for wide receivers, I think I'm going to go two wideouts here, and I'm going to go both DJ Moore and Cortland Sutton. I feel like those are the two guys most deserving to get those bench spots. What do you guys think? I think you're just salty that Kenyon Drake beat you. I think outside of the last three weeks, Kenyon Drake hasn't done anything. So he's not deserving to be on this team. 
I agree with everything you just said, Steve, especially because you have to remember what those two have been through this season. Like Cortland Sutton, who's he had? He's had Joe Flacco. He was productive with him. He had Brandon Allen. He was productive with him. He's had Drew Locke. He's been productive with him. DJ Mark. Cam Newton was broken, and he didn't do too great then. Okay, I'll concede that. But then Kyle Allen comes in. Kyle Allen is not good. DJ Moore was great with him. And yeah, he's been terrible with Will Greer that one week, but we're not going to talk about that. They've just had to endure so much. I just, I think they both deserve it. Yeah, and because it's PPR, I'm fine with that. I'd probably have wide receivers filling up my bench as well. All right, let's move over to the busts. Again, much like the undervalued team, the busts was a slam dunk. 100% of the vote to Baker Mayfield. He was going number four in ADP in the preseason and has been atrocious. So I think that's an easy one. We can move on from that. Same as David Johnson. A, a lot built in outside of the top five of running back. It it started out with David Johnson hovering around 10. And by the time we got right up to like the week before, during Labor Day weekend when you have the biggest surge of people drafting, David Johnson was going at the number six or number five wide running back spot. And it just has not panned out. Injuries have played a lot into that, but uh, Kenyon Drake coming over has also not helped. And then Le'Veon Bell at RB2. Uh, do you disagree with any of that? Or I think all that actually makes a lot of sense. No arguments from me. They've both been super disappointing. David Johnson's basically turned to stone throughout this season. It hurts. I think Bell is fine just because of the fact that he's been so consistent, even with the coach hating him and the team being so atrocious. Yeah, but you had to spend a first round pick on him. So, I mean, that, that's also that hasn't their fault. Yeah. <laughs> they shouldn't have had him that high. He was on a new right, team. But, but that's system. the point is, is ADP. He was going right there with David Johnson. So in, in those terms, it's yeah, it was ADP Le'Veon Bell, six, David Johnson, seven, depending on, you know, what your format was, what you were playing in. So, yeah. So, yeah, those two guys, I think, made a lot of sense. I would agree with that. Um, let's see. Wide receivers. Again, this one made a lot of sense, too. Uh, 82% of the vote going to Odell Beckham. I could absolutely uh, see that. Yeah. Uh, had a lot of high hopes there. Was also going as a back-end first-round, high-end second-round pick. Uh, Brandon Cooks, then, at wide receiver, two, who we've kind of talked about. We had the Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Brandon Cooks. They were all kind of lumped together uh, for me and Neil in our ranks in the back end of the teens, high-end 20s. And we both liked all three of them. Woods and Cup have worked out. <laughs> Brandon Cooks, not so much. He really hurt a lot of people this offseason. And I know for me personally, I was a little bit worried about Cooper Cup early in the season. I thought he might uh, take a little bit to come back from that ACL tear. And so I thought Brandon Cooks was going to be sort of the guy there, and he would have to be relied on for a lot of big plays. But the downfield passing game has just evaporated. Goff doesn't do it anymore. Well, he doesn't have enough time to. That's part of the reason why he yeah. had that step down. I mean, he's getting a lot he more can, hands in his he face. Can still, and just throw it up on a deep ball every once in a while. He just hasn't. It's ah, so frustrating that team. He can't make that decision. He's you know all McVay says. <laughs> Goes yeah. into his helmet, and that's what he does. And the wide receiver three was Antonio Brown, but I think that's more on you than it is on him. 
because you all saw what Antonio Brown was doing in the preseason. If you made that selection, that was on you. Unfortunately, so many did. I know. And he looked great uh, t- on hard knocks. <laughs> right. 91% of the votes feet were great. tight end went to O.J. Howard. And yeah, I would 100% agree on that. Again, we talked about this in the preseason a lot. Me and Neil were one of the few people in the industry completely out on O.J. Howard that, like, I, I don't understand taking that high of a pick on him. Uh, I was still having him in, like, the starting-ish range, but, yeah, I couldn't take a tight. He was going tight end four. He was going as the guy outside of the big three that you wanted most, and that just has not panned out, to say the least. Uh, so that's a slam dunk. Flex, it was Vance McDonald. Uh, he got 64% of the vote. Vance was going number eight for tight ends. So, again, a guy who's been perpetually outside of the top 14 at the position uh, yeah, was going as a top eight pick and just has not worked out. Do either one of you have any objections to those two making the list? Nope, none at all. And the most painful thing about O.J. Howard is Evan Ingram and Hunter Henry, yeah, they've been injured. They were getting drafted in the same area, but they've still been when healthy playable oj howard hasn't been that yeah awful yeah until the past couple weeks when you don't need him because you were eliminated because you drafted oj howard too early right exactly uh other tight ends getting votes were jack doyle eric ebron jimmy graham uh tyler eifert but yeah I i would agree with what we've got uh bears defense obviously number one you never draft a defense early again that's on you it's not so much on them and then for kicker, Adam Vinatieri. And kicker was all over the place. Uh, it was Adam Vinatieri got 36%, Brett Maher 27 and then six others received at least one or two votes. So I would agree with it. It's Vinatieri and Maher at kicker, right? They were the only two that were kind of in starting ADP range yeah, they, that have completely fallen off. Vinatieri was also hurt. I mean, that was a part of him. But being... even when he was healthy... He was bad. He's also 47. I just considering him. <laughs> <laughs> he gets, he gets him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, okay. He gets just, a pass. Oh, give him a break. Yeah, he was terrible. He's still a bust. Ageist. <laughs> uh, QB on the bench, Aaron Rodgers. He's our backup quarterback. Uh, that's an easy one, 36%. Look, I don't understand why the industry still keeps throwing him in there as a consensus top 10 play every week. I don't understand why they still keep saying, well, it's Aaron Rodgers. Outside of three games, did you know that 50% of his touchdowns on this season have come from three games? That's amazing. He Terrible. has been, yeah, he's been not good this year. Like from a, He's been all right as an actual NFL quarterback, but from a fantasy perspective, Matt LaFleur has killed that team. And it's it's sad. Hashtag Have sad. you that's seen why, his that's mustache? That's why Aaron Jones is so good, though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, honorable mention at quarterback, Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, Marcus Mariota, uh, Mitch Trubisky, Pat Mahomes also got a vote, which was hilarious. Uh, bench uh, running back, Sony Michelle, with 45% of the vote. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. People were drafting Saquon or uh, Sony Michelle way too early. And they were uh, really high on Sony Michelle and his production and getting into the end zone. It just hasn't panned out. Outside of those three touchdowns in the one Monday night football game, he hasn't done much this year, for especially for what you paid for him. 
Oh, and the and writing that, was kind of on the wall with him too, because you could see they drafted a running back in the third round. Granted, he hasn't been active all year, but that was not a good sign for Michelle, and it hasn't panned out at all. I was hoping that everybody would tr- would trade for him for, for the second half of the season because it's going to get cold, and he's kind of started to step up as you can see, getting more touches. But yeah, other than that, it's been a rough go for him for for sure. And White's definitely been the White and Burkhead just getting so much touchy touches that it's stealing all of his value anytime they're in the red zone. So to round out our bench here, we have four spots available uh, and we have some interesting options. Uh, So Saquon Barkley and Damian Williams, both of which I kind of disagree with. Uh, And then we've got Sammy Watkins, Geronimo Allison, Josh Gordon, and Juju Smith-Schuster. So those are our bench options. I'm going with Sammy and Juju, especially because Sammy, he he was drafted in a, at a pr- pretty okay range. I still, you know, like, you know, you didn't have to pay too much to get him. But then he had that blow up and then everyone traded for him. Everyone's like, oh, he's a wide receiver one in KC. No, he wasn't. We've seen this before from Sammy Watkins. He disappointed everyone again, and he was a complete bust outside of week one. And then Juju, I don't think it's totally his fault, but. Ben going down completely sapped his value. He's been banged up this season. Mason Rudolph couldn't find him. Neither could Duck. It's I feel bad for the guy, and I do think he'll rebound, but he's a bust this year. Yeah, he has been hurt, but even when he's been healthy, he has not been good out there, and it's a lot to do with quarterback play, I believe. Um, Saquon I don't buy into simply because of the, like the injury. He came back early from the injury when he didn't need to. Over these last two weeks when he's been fully healthy, he's been dominant again so I feel like that's more injury related than it is actual production but if you spent the number one overall pick on him I could see why you'd be hurt about it Damian Williams another one he's been hurt a lot and when you drafted him they didn't have LaShawn McCoy on the team so I feel like that also played a role into it but I could understand why you'd be hurt about that yeah it's gonna be close I I think Juju's definitely on the team just because he was one of the top wide receivers that everybody was assuming was going to take that step up and then the quarterback play I think just tanked his value and then of course the injuries have haven't helped but then I just after that it's it's a toss-up because everybody has their pros and cons I mean I don't know who I was like even getting close to Sammy Watkins or Geronimo Allison so that's tough for me to say that they'd be part of so that others receiving votes were devonta freeman alvin Kamara, tevin coleman uh oh, and dante coleman. pettis and mvs Ooh, and dante pettis I'd, I'd i like both of those as bust compared to any of the other options they were all bustier than saquon and yeah dante pettis was going at wide receiver 43 he was a uh, he was a real trendy pick there for a while, so I don't know. He was going in the ninth round. He was going literally one spot ahead of Geronimo Allison and two spots ahead of MVS. So I don't know. What about Coleman? Uh, I feel like that was a look. hot one for sure because th- of the fact well, that he was like he was presumed the guy for a while there. Yeah, he was going yeah. at RB twenty seven. Yeah, that's a and I would say that's a pretty big bust. Yeah, I don't know. He was hurt a lot of the beginning of the year. And then when he came back healthy, he was really good for like four weeks. And then it now has completely lost the job to Raheem Mostert, who I'm oh, also surprised didn't make the undervalued list. Oh, yeah, that's true, huh? 
But I think he lost his value, too, because of the fact that, I mean, Brita came back and was healthy for part of that, and then Mostert was taking those carries as well, and both were having were being having more success running the ball compared to Coleman. And so he just kept falling further and further behind, even though he was healthy. Yeah, I would agree with Coleman and Pettis as our other two. All right, so there you go. So there's our lists for undervalued and bust for the 2019 season. We got one more week of the uh, the season here, and then next week we will be back at full strength with Neil doing our uh, our wrap-up show. So you can find me everywhere at nonsense underscore Steve. You can find Jason at that FF nerd. You can find Jack at Javanaugh 87. And for those guys, until next week, just keep up the nonsense. Music for the Important Nonsense Podcast is provided by Benjamin Banger, Tritachion, and Admiral Bob. Thank you for listening, and be sure to keep up with all the latest content on importantnonsense.com.